0: This is the Transmission Times. In Singapore in January, we were hearing stories of a virus that had started in Wuhan, China. And we are close to China, so we were a bit worried about how that virus was spreading and what it meant for our family. When the pandemic first started in China, and it became
1: clear that it was spreading differently than the SARS virus or the Ebola virus. My family was distracted with the adoption of a baby. When the virus was first starting to spread, I heard about it just a couple days before I went to my sister's baby shower. She was pretty heavily pregnant by that point. And I remember sitting around, with the other guests, just kind of talking casually about it. And this was in New York City, actually. And then after the baby shower, I made plans to come to my nephew's birth. And I left. And
0: just a couple weeks later, everything started happening. The first cases happened to be in Chinatown from tourists who had come from China And had stopped in Chinatown in Singapore, and uh, it just became like a red zone. Like, you just wouldn't go there, and you would be safe. And I think that's when we knew it was real, was when it was on the island. That must have been in
2: February, late February. I first realized this pandemic was real after watching a video of an emergency room doctor from Elmhurst, Queens. That was one of the hardest areas hit in New York at the beginning of the pandemic because of the density of the population mostly. And watching her face as she spoke about the fact that they didn't have enough PPE, they didn't have ventilators, seeing the fear in her eyes drove it home that this is out of control and this is really happening. And even the doctors and nurses who see just about everything in an emergency room, we were all frightened.
1: I remember talking to my sister on the phone, and she was 40 weeks at that point, and she said that her husband had a fever. And it wasn't getting better. And that was the moment where I just went... Oh my God, this is this is not just somewhere else. This is here. This is my family.
0: In reflection, though, it was on the island a lot sooner than that. So it's funny to ask what is real because it was real long before we knew it was.
1: <laughs> and her husband did he. He, he got COVID. She didn't get sick, but she went into labor while he was still sick and she wasn't able to deliver with any family around. And it was just a surreal moment where we realized that this is now a part of our story and we can't go back. And it just is becoming more than just intellectually clear to me that we'll be going through an entire year of living carefully, trying to avoid being sick by the COVID virus and taking care of each other so that our communities
0: are whole at the end of this. Someone sent... what if this goes on for the next seven years? And I almost cried. I was <laughs> it's like, what do you mean seven years? This can possibly be seven years of our lives. And I don't think it will be, but it could be a lot longer than anyone is thinking it would be.
3: My silver linings, like many people, are more family time. Uh... Certainly, that doesn't come without stress, but I've really been focusing on just embracing every joy that I can and not wanting to miss the joyful moments for the
4: hard moments. We're living in a seaside town with access to the mountain and the sea. I think our more remote lifestyle has been really enriching. Like we, most days we're walking at sunrise on the beach and then at sunset seeing the sun go down on the mountain. I've always wanted to grow flowers and I
3: finally planted sunflowers wherever I can. I started them in my greenhouse, I had time to do that. They didn't die because I actually could take care of them. That's exciting. They made it in the garden, and now they are towering over my kale and my weeds and making me a better gardener for it because I'm called to the garden by the amazing sunflowers in colour. So that's definitely a silver lining for me. It's still a bit of a wild garden, but I love it, and I'm thrilled to have so much colour in it this year.
5: This pandemic is such a fickle thing. I think I've got my life under control and that I'm dealing with it and I can be patient and look ahead and it will end at some point and that meanwhile I have arranged everything in my life to make sure that I'll be okay. And then it throws a whammy at me and everything crashes down and it's very, very difficult suddenly. I've never been through anything quite like this. I'm almost 70 and I've, been through the deaths of both of my parents. Seven years ago, the death of my husband through cancer. And those things were very difficult, especially the death of my husband. But I've never experienced the kind of sudden depression that hits me with this pandemic.
3: When I think of the future, I should try to look back a little bit and think about okay, how did I do this before? What needs to shift? What small changes need to happen in order for me to not be afraid to look
0: forward?
5: I came up with a view a couple days ago that I am living in solitary confinement. It's very comfortable. I have a comfortable house. I have enough money to live on, I can eat well, I, I like to cook, and that is one of my pleasures in life. I have work, I'm an artist, I paint, I write, I'm running a non-profit. All those things are very good. But there's a very dark part of my life that has grown in the last five months, and it's sort of there. And I don't know quite how to handle it. I will work on it, because... I do that in my life if something is troubling me. But it's a very odd thing, this pandemic.
3: I will say there have never been more blocks along the way. And it feels like daily challenges that are certainly pushing me in new ways. And I'm continuing to learn through all these new obstacles. So as long as I just face that fact, then I can keep moving forward and avoid avoiding the truth about the future.
5: I think we've had to learn how to communicate better, more effectively, especially in times of crisis. It's quite easy to communicate when things are going well and everyone's feeling good, and but it's a little bit more difficult when you are under pressure existential dread the virus lurking around every corner, every handshake might be your last not sure if the whole world's going to sit on fire and burn and die or just a few people
4: when my parents decided to go they took a repatriation flight to Switzerland because my dad is a doctor and it was maybe two months into lockdown, and although they're healthy and uh, fit, they're in their 60s, so they are more at risk. And I suppose those worrying thoughts of, might I not see them again, definitely cross my mind. You try to be strong, but you also want to acknowledge those feelings because you want to make the time together special that you do have together. And you also want to say what you need to say when you have the space to say it.
6: I'm actually thinking about all these people who are not super scared. On one side, it's not good because they can spread the virus and everything. But on the other side, I kind of believe that because of these people, parts of the economy are still going. Because if everybody were like me, and we cut down on everything, like I cut my own hair at home, like that's the <laughs> that's the extent of it. And we don't go to restaurants and I haven't been shopping like for clothes or anything like that in ages. And it's like all these things I've cut back on because of wanting to be as cautious as possible. If everybody would take such extreme measures or like the measures that I've taken a lot of businesses wouldn't function now.
0: Sometimes I think about the safety measures we're taking now and how freaked out we get about it now. And it's in Singapore a lot safer for us now than it was in a time when we weren't wearing masks and we were moving around the island on public transport and sitting down in the seats and touching the bars. And so we think it's scarier now when actually there were zero cases reported in the community today we reached zero
6: it's like inside myself there's this part that just kind of wants not to think about it and even drop my guard down from time to time and just kind of shift to the mentality of if it happens it happens and at some point there's a chance I might get it So, like, normalize this option, too. But yet again, when I talk to doctors, I know, or when you read an experience online about how it was to be a patient, what happened, you realize that, oh, actually, I don't want to go through that. That side is still stronger. Like, no, I still want to be wary of that and don't want to go through that
1: I want to be able to walk out of my front door and take my kids to school and gather with a group of friends in a public place I want those things to come back but I don't want us all to forget and I think that's what we subconsciously want to do When something awful happens, we want to forget. And I just hope that there is some thread that will remain so that we can find our way back to what we've learned.
2: I'd like to say a huge thank you to Christina, Britta, Lauren, Rini, Anna, Lauren, Karen, Lindsay, and Tim, whose voices are coming to you from Maine, New Hampshire, New York, Romania, South Africa, and Singapore. Since the beginning of lockdown, the Transmission Times has been collecting audio diaries from people like you, but there are many stories we haven't heard, and if yours is one of them, we would love to hear from you. Please send your stories about anything to do with the pandemic and lockdown to us in one of two ways. You can record on your smartphone using an app like voice memos and email it to us at transmissiontimes at gmail.com. Or you can call 847-354-4163 and leave a voicemail. The email and phone number are also on our website, transmissiontimes.org join. Thank you so much. The transmission times is created by me, Katie Summer.